0: Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Bad Beats episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about to make the legendary worst deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor.
1: So, so you want to, you want to hear about my worst deal or my best deal?
0: <laughs> I want to jump into your worst deal and, and here, here's what I want to do with the worst deals. I want to talk about, um, you know, what is this like actually before you get into this deal the beginning, minute, the beginning middle, and end of the deal and like what's a, a lesson learned from going through this transaction um, into it, right? What, what we find about like investing time and time again is that it's typically not about the numbers on, uh, in a lot of circumstances. It isn't, it isn't, especially when it comes into worst deals it's usually something else that's going on that causes that deal to flop that doesn't have anything to do with the paper because all the paper mathed out, which is why we actually did the deal in the first place. So how do we actually learn the lessons from somebody else that made the errors that we don't have to,
1: right? Exactly, that's and I will, tell, I will tell you, my worst deal was my worst deal because I broke my mold. In other words, I had a mold. I bought properties based on X, Y, and Z and I wanted them in a certain area, a certain price. Like I had almost a blueprint for lack of a better word. Yeah. Uh, but I lived down in the country. I had 10 acres, blah, 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 blah. So I was doing all, all city stuff. I was working in Camden, New Jersey and Philadelphia. So I saw an opportunity to buy a property uh, that was down where I lived that was way undervalued, had lots of property. It was the house needed some work, had a huge 200-foot barn on it that was loaded with all kinds of stuff. Anyhow, so I bought. I did the math. I'm like, yes, per square foot, this is perfect. I can do this. So, you know, I should make a hundred grand on this deal. What I didn't think about was the lack of interest of people moving into that area because it was such a spread out area. Not many people wanted to live on six acres. You know, they worked in Philly. They were People weren't looking for that lifestyle. So I not only went over budget, <laughs> and not only lost money, and because when I got into that barn, it was. I don't know, 300 feet long. It was huge. We found cars, motorcycle parts, but the cost to clean it out was probably more than I paid for the house. Like Uh, it was, it was unbelievable. It was just stacked from front to back with excavators that were had been there for 30 years, just rusted buckets of bolts. I mean, it's just, it was horrible. Um, then the construction,
0: what happens though, when you get, so you're you're swimming outside of your lane of an asset class and an investment portfolio in like, you decided like not to scout, the property, completely uh, like bids on it to know what was going on. It I had that
1: fast and uh, loose. I had partners.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And I was doing, I was trying to do the bigger deals, the three hundred units or buying fifty units at a time. Um, so I trusted other people. Uh, and and I still went and looked at the property before we closed, and I saw it and was like, eh, you know what? Well, we'll make this work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at that, that point, you're now emotionally connected to the to the deal. I've already. Yeah, so, Have you had
0: like a pretty strong like um, pattern of success in the deals up to this point?
1: I never lost money on one deal. Yeah. Until this one, i would never yeah. lost money. Um, but I, I remember it was a pattern. So if you're familiar with Camden or Philadelphia, it's row homes. When you get into the to the city, it's yeah. just row. Just they're all identical. I mean, they're different, but they're pretty much the same. Uh, they're connected, front porch, walk through, living room, dining room, kitchen, upstairs, bedroom, bathroom, maybe a third floor bedroom, bathroom. So. I knew what it would cost to fix that house up. I mean, from the minute I walked in, I'd be like, all right, doesn't need a heater, doesn't need this, right, 35,000. I knew the numbers. I didn't need the numbers. So I could make a decision on a deal in a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah. This one, this one I was clueless. I couldn't use my usual contractors. It was 30 miles from there. So now I'm bringing in contractors I don't know. I just, listen, if there was a mistake in real estate, I made it. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could write, here's my book on mistakes in that deal. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> it. Don't do this. I did it. Don't do but, this. I did it.
0: But what's fascinating though is that you're a badass, right? You're turning your printing money yeah. You know your shit backwards and forwards about like what it is to make money inside of the deals. Right? Right. You're probably feeling super strong at that point, walking into it being like, man, I make, I can, I make money in real estate. I'm making money on deals left and right. I don't lose money. I know exactly what stuff is going to be, but like, but there's gotta be something that happens, right? Where we walk in to a deal that we're like, I don't really know. I didn't, what this is going to be, but I'm going to throw some dice, you know, into it and think it's probably going to be okay, you know, but, so, so, but, but that whole deal though, right, there's nothing we can do about that because we're always going to have confidence because we had a track record of success. So why would I think I would lose on this one if I have won on all the other ones?
1: Well, had I listened to my wife, I wouldn't have lost on that one either because I wouldn't have bought it. She was like, what are you, crazy? (laughs) Um, And here's the thing. I was so good at it that the hard money company that I had been borrowing from uh, actually had me going out and underwriting other people's deals because he trusted me because I always made money. Ah, And, and And later, I looked at this deal after the fact and said, man, if somebody had come to me with this deal as the underwriter, I'd have turned that deal down in a second. Yeah. But I, but I was emotionally attached. I had somebody who really wanted to do it. My, uh, yeah, whatever. For whatever reason, I made all the wrong moves. But it didn't kill me. It's like anything else. You make a bad decision, you live with it, take the consequences, move on. I didn't sit in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> I just took yeah. the
0: hit. Can I ask you this? When you were getting into that deal, were you looking for all the reasons of how to make the deal work instead of looking for the reasons of why to kill it?
1: Exactly. It's exactly right. Because I was so used to winning that – and I hadn't lost, that I wasn't even thinking about losing. I was just looking for all the reasons why I would make money.
0: Oh, shit, dude. I, I heard this guy the other week talk to me about He said, uh He said, when well, you're ever launching into a new venture and you're not sure of, of what's going to happen, and he, he was a long-time entrepreneur, startup guy, right? Right. Um, serial startup guy. And I was asking what his secrets to success were. He says, anytime I'm launching a new thing and I'm not 100% sure of how it is, like I haven't done it a few times already Do you know what it is, Mm -hmm. He says, his thought experiments, he says, I'm going to fast forward six months. I'm going to ask myself, what are all, and I'm going to pretend like this project just failed. I'm going to ask myself, what are all the reasons I can think of why this project failed? And then he starts to list them all out. And and that's his thought experiment to get down all of the negatives that he
1: wouldn't see. On my desk every day. You see that? Positive, (laughs) negative. It's every decision I make, I have a sheet like this. What do you do with that sheet? When I'm done with it, it goes into a file folder. I may, if I make a decision to go forward with that, I look at it. I, I love to review things. I go, okay. oh, oh, wait a minute. You know what? I was right on with this. Remember that thing I had as a negative turned out to be a positive or worse. All my positives were self-serving baloney. I was pushing on myself. None of that was going to happen. It was all negative. Um, so I try to write them down. And what I find is even writing them down doesn't work for me. I need to verbalize it. Because what happens is I'm a contrarian. I tend to want to argue. Uh, it's just my nature. So yeah. when I hear it, my mind, my subconscious mind begins arguing against my verbal argument. So I get to see the other side. It's the weirdest thing. And I find my, my decisions tend to be 80 to 90% more accurate when I verbalize it.
0: So you'll write it down. You write down your positive negatives. And are you going to verbalize it while you're writing them down?
1: No, I need a third party. I'll you'll call can trust you to
0: somebody else.
1: I'll call a trusted friend, I'll call somebody that I know is really smart, somebody from a mastermind, and I'll say, here's my idea, and I'm not really looking for them to say yes or no, although it's nice to get that feedback. What I really want to do is hear myself talk about it to somebody, yeah, yeah. and present my argument, and then think as a third person, is that argument even any good?
0: <laughs> Have you ever found yourself changing your position mid-argument? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
1: <laughs> Yep, uh, abs- matter of fact, way more often than I'd like to admit, but yeah, absolutely, if it's not something I've done a thousand yeah. times, I, I probably should be changing my position mid-argument Yeah. in a lot of cases, because look, it's, it's not, people who are successful aren't just successful because they're smarter than everybody else, it's, it's, they're not afraid to fail, one, you can't be afraid to fail, but two, they make sure they can bounce ideas off other people, get some feedback, and then you need to be able to make a decision to go with it, and if you're wrong, adjust, so yeah. changing your argument or position mid-argument is exactly – that's adjusting. You have to make that adjustment.
0: Let me ask you this. Do you particularly care what the other person's feedback is, or do you just need to talk at them to be able to figure out what you think and you go forward with it?
1: Okay, so the right answer is I care. <laughs> the correct answer is I'm a, I'm a bit of a – my wife says borderline narcissist. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the right description but because um, I do have feelings for other people. but yeah. No, once I've once I've decided I want to do something, it's hard for you to break me off of it. I'm the only one who can break me off of it. So, yeah. and, and the people that I trust that I talk to about this, they're aware of that. So they know they're not going to persuade me. They're just going to listen, maybe point out some things I missed, which is awesome. I love hearing that. And then I may put that into my process, into my thinking process, and then make a decision. Uh, yeah. You know, now, unfortunately, the, the I, I also like I told you on the side, I trade oil. You don't have time for that. <laughs> Yeah. Got a, got a three second decision you've got to make or less. Um but even then I have my brother today, I was trading this morning. Uh I get him on a Google meeting. He's I'm sharing my charts with him. I'm like, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And here's why I want to do it. And he begins to go, you know what, that's a dumb idea. Forget it, I'm not even doing it. Yeah. He didn't even answer me yet.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Steve, I gotta tell you, man, um, we're like a little too similar. It's a little scary. I was going to say, did
1: you realize you were going to have such a crazy person on your show today? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I actually say the exact same things, dude. This is like crazy. We're like doppelgangers of each other.
1: I know. That's why same I, things
0: I hear from my staff are like things that you're describing. <laughs> and if that's why I'm like, I can nail it down. I'm like, oh, I bet you think this. I bet you think this. Because it's like my brain works the same exact way your brain does too. About like what it is, how we process information. I will right. walk out of my office. If I don't have somebody, I'll go talk to anybody. They're like, why in the world are you talking to the HR assistant about what you're doing in marketing? I was like, because she's there. And I needed somebody to talk to to right. figure out what it is I wanted to do. Because if it's just me in my own head, it doesn't work. Like if the magic doesn't happen.
1: And that's why it's great to um, – to, and I used to tell this to – every real estate investor I knew. And I talk to real estate investors almost daily here in our business, that's our number one avatar. That's who calls us more than anyone else. And they talk about, I wanna do this cash, do that cash. I said, listen, do yourself a favor. If you have the opportunity, use a private lender, use hard money. Well, I don't need the hard money. It's not about that. First of all, always use other people's money. But second, if the deal's so slim that you can't, then don't do the deal. And second, whenever I was turned down for a loan with a hard money lender, that deal somebody purchased later always ended up bad so i was happy to have that secondary reinforce because my ego is big or was big (laughs) where you know i know i'm right i know i'm right i know i'm right and they say well you're not right i'll tell you what if you want us to fund the deal you got to put up an extra 20 percent that would make you know when they put that uh caveat on there now i'm thinking wait a minute am i really do i really want to put my money into this deal yeah I was okay putting their money into it i wasn't sure about my money And that would make, I, I, they never allowed me to go into a bad deal, which is why I think I was so so successful because I found the deals they were comfortable with and I just modeled them and I just chased only those deals. Yeah. And I had plenty of cash. I could have bought all my properties cash, but I I didn't have to. I didn't even want to.
0: That's an interesting check. Like make less money, but you get somebody else's secondary eyes, like vested into it and their money on the table.
1: Right. I paid cash for the one deal that I did a really bad deal on. Yeah. So, so I, it's just, I just, it's just
0: about it. because you could bring in equity, you could bring in partners, right. And then the right. people would have money into it, but they might go ahead and just look at it and say like, well, you got skin in the game too. Maybe I don't have to bet it as hard. But if it's a hard money lender and it's all their money in play, then that deal has got to be killer. For that exactly. Guy.
1: Right. And they're, they're going to send out an appraiser. They're going to send out and, and I had it down fairly yeah. slick. I had it down pretty slick um they would anybody who borrows hard money understands at least back when i started um they maybe put a little skin in the game in the beginning once i proved myself then they would finance 100 percent of the purchase they was i would they wouldn't make me put anything down they would escrow the construction and then once i was done a certain percentage depending on how big the construction escrow was uh we would do maybe four draws of 25 grand for 100 grand whatever so i got slick i got my high limit supplier credit card i won't mention um, I got high limit visas. Uh, I had, uh, I had credit with my contractors. So I would use my visas, my master cards at my high limit supplier. And I would do the entire construction on my, on my business credit, get my draw, take the cash, put it in my pocket, leave the debt there, put the house up for sale move on to the next one. I took my profit when the construction was done. Mm. A- and then when the house sold, pay off all that debt. Yeah. So you had to price it right, but to me, it just kept the cash, and I could take that cash and then put deposits on four more deals. Yeah, my wife used like to laugh at me. You're like the nope.
0: king of leverage. Uh, listen, like how to just leverage the sh- like to the gills.
1: I didn't want anybody using my money for anything <laughs> unless yeah. it was personal. I remember one time my wife was cleaning out my car at the an armrest and she found like three checks for fifteen, twenty, and thirty thousand. I forgot about. Yeah, like, like there, it's, it's just, it's, I, yeah. I just, that was that was a fun time, the, the early 2000s <laughs> into 2008. Um, but I believed in leveraging because it allowed you to do multiple. Like, I, if you can do one thing good, why not do five of them? Right. Right? Why not do five? Matter of fact, my very first real estate, I'll tell you about my good deal. Right? You heard about the bad. Oh, yeah, one.
0: tell me about the All good right.
1: one. So I have multiple really good ones. I have one where I made a million dollars, my first million dollar flip. Um, I'm talking profit. And then I had um, another one where I did half the construction and sold it for three times what I paid for it but my favorite one was my first one very first deal I back then for all you people who are under the age of 40 we had newspapers to find houses <laughs> right so I was looking through the newspaper and I saw three houses for sale for 75,000 in, in Camden so we called my brother and I called and we went out and we looked at him and I got the impression from the gentleman that met us who were older that this was not all they had so I asked him how many more of these do you have Oh, we have 36. Really? Can I see some of them? Well, some are boarded up, some are occupied, some blah, 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 blah. All right, well, what if I gave you an offer on all 36? Now, keep in mind, I don't have any money to buy these houses. (laughs) I'm not sure where I'm going to get the money. So I make them an offer. Uh, I will tell you I offered them less than a third per unit of what they were asking on these three. They took it. So I got the houses were worth about 50. I bought them all for about 11 grand. Hmm. Half were occupied, half were not. So I didn't want the occupied ones. So I turned around and sold the half that were occupied for what I paid for all 36 individually or in, in blots. So I walked. I ended up owning 18 houses outright that I didn't have a penny into. And then I borrowed money from the hard money company to do construction, rented them out, and sold them for 75000 each. So that was my – it was one deal, though. I mean, it was one deal. I bought all 36 at one shop. Yeah. And I didn't –
0: it's the secret to that deal, though. It's like it's about like um, like like pounding the pavement on being able to find the right buy,
1: and, and asking questions. Yeah, a- absolutely. Look, you've got to ask questions, and then there's two parts to this, and this is where I think a lot of people fall down. You know, especially wholesalers. I see they just want to get everything under contract, everything under contract. Well, look, if you don't perform, your reputation is done. Especially if you live in a, an area where you're you're working in. Just now, I know people buy across state lines now but back then we didn't have that you know the internet wasn't that big a deal uh or it was out but it wasn't like you weren't buying houses with the internet yeah so to me the key was performing and because of me performing on that deal where i closed they did not expect me i was the fifth investor to put offers in on those properties but i closed them 30 days because i performed when they were ready to sell their 187 unit apartment complex guess who they called I didn't know they even owned a 187-unit apartment complex in the same area. They called me and said, we'd like to give you an opportunity to buy it. I said, how much? They told me. I said, can I have two years to close it? Sure, we don't care. They gave me a $1,000 check, $1,000 on 187 units. Bought it for $4 million, sold it for $5.5 closed in 18 months, simul-close, and they gave me back my original $1,000. Like, they, they never cashed the check. Nice. So, now, that's a big deal. That's, that's leveraging zero into a million and a half. but they trusted me because I performed on the first one. Yeah. So when people get things under contract, and then go back and go, well, sorry, I can't close That's Listen, don't, don't go after a deal unless you know, you can follow through. I'm telling you that, that, that made my reputation go where I was. So people were coming to me, trying to sell me properties, neighbors, friends. Hey, you helped my mom. Can you help my cousin? Uh, We read, we ran ads on judge Judy every day. You know, I buy houses and we would just get flooded with phone calls. No kidding. Oh yeah. It was cool. It was a lot of fun back then. I wish I'd have kept the money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I
1: wish I had to live like uh, it was never going to end.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Two that's people funny. shouldn't own 11 cars. They're like, there's no reason for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's no reason, but that's what you do, man. Cause that's who you are. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's where it was at the time anyway.
1: You know? exactly, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But anyway, so that's my, that was probably yeah. my best. I, I, I love that deal. I still talk about it, obviously.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, this has been like an awesome, awesome episode. Um, I don't know if anybody, everybody saw that, uh, you know, we usually end with like a lesson learned, right? And, and one of the, one of the things that I'm taking away from our piece here today is I want to know more about that, that like the positive and negative sheet that you do is that, so you're taking the positive and negative, you have a decision to make, you're going to sketch out left-hand side, everything that's positive, right-hand side, everything is negative. And then you'll make the decision that you go back and review what it is you thought at the time before you made the decision to see like how accurate am I?
1: Yeah, I'll test it, and, and and look, that's old school stuff. I mean, that that's stuff that I learned in my. I'm, I haven't heard of it yet. I'm in my fifties. That's stuff I used to do when I was in my twenties.
0: Dude, nobody's teaching that anymore. Really? Nobody's I teaching mean, that anymore. I think it's brilliant because it like checks your <laughs> estimation.
1: Yeah? Uh, well, that's it, and and the thing of it is, you never want to make the decision immediately off that sheet. What you want to do is you want to leave that there, and you want to go back and review it 24 or 48 hours later. Yeah, and, and then you look and go, you know, that may not be a positive or may not, that, that, that may not be so impactful. You know what?
0: I do that, but I don't do it on written down. I usually will take three to four days to make a decision. Typically. I right. know if I can make a decision at the moment, it's going to be an okay decision. If I get to sleep on it, it's drastically better. If I can make a decision after like sleeping on it two or three nights, I know I'm going to be like dang near close to making a great decision into it. Do you find the right. same thing's true for you using
1: this system? Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, man, you have way more patience than me. Three days – by three days, I could have built the Eiffel Tower (laughs) in my mind. I'm going, I can't wait. So so
0: you're writing it down saying, I'll sleep on it, make the decision the next day, review it back and say, run it back.
1: Yeah, and and it's not always 100% accurate, but I'll tell you what it does. It actually allows you to innovate a little more because you start thinking of other things you should be putting on the list. Like I actually start thinking about the list itself. And you're writing things down. I, you know what? What if I did this? Oh, you know what? That would do this. And it, it's amazing how it just spiderwebs out. Mm. Uh, for example, the position I'm in now, I know trading. Nobody taught me how to go out and create JV partners and live event. Blah, blah. We're three months into it. And I'm killing it because I write things down and go, hey, that's a good idea. Let me ask somebody like you about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I can't believe you never heard that, man. That's like, at seriously, I didn't know you were going to talk about this. I had it already on my pad.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've heard of people doing it, but I always thought it was stupid until, like, I understand how you use it. Because I thought, I was like, oh, you, what you end up with is a bunch of things that are positive and a bunch of things that are negative. How in the heck can that possibly make you, help you make a decision? Because you're always going to find positive and negatives in there. But like, what you're using it for is like a totally different thing than I think most people do it they think that like the list will tell them what to do and what i hear you saying is what you're using for is saying like no no no. i'm checking my judgment in the moment today right. versus tomorrow and then i'm using it by having to slow down to write i'm having to i'm generating more ideas because i'm forcing my mind to slow down and then it'll just naturally pick it, up
1: exactly time. and yeah. if you're overly optimistic like you are obviously and i am yeah. sometimes you'll feel the positive side just because that's who you are right yeah. I expect this to happen. I, I'm going to do this. And, and, and then reality sets in. When you really go, am I really going to be able to accomplish that in 30 days? I don't think so. You know what? Let me put that. That's not a positive. That's that's a neutral. And actually that's, I've been, it's funny. I've been thinking about doing positive, negative, neutral. Yeah. So I can look, look at it even a little differently. Um, because I tend to want to put things on a positive until I don't, then everything's negative. If I don't like an idea, if somebody says you should do this, like my boss, <laughs> I'll do positive, negative, 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 because it was his idea. Yeah. (laughs) So I I really have to reread that list. I love it. I mean, it's a great checklist. It really is. That's awesome,
0: man. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, wrapping up, Steve, uh, if you had a lesson learned that you wanted to leave the audience with um, here today, uh, what would that be from our talk?
1: (sighs) From our talk? Yeah. Um, Never put us two in a room together. You'll never get a word in edgewise.
0: Um. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Look, uh, since the real estate investors, I'm going to go down that road. And because I lost everything, the lesson I learned, and I learned it it soon enough, but maybe not, I learned it on time, but not soon enough. Uh, If you can use your business to create a credit profile and get credit that's going to protect you, you can scale your business. Stop thinking in terms of one house, one house. Think about scaling that. And, And the only way to do that is use other people's money. And the lesson I learned from you, is, from our meeting today, is that there's two of us out there, and I, that scares me a little bit.
0: <laughs> it, it's a rare breed. I don't meet a lot of us. That's
1: now, now, as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you a real quick story. we When I interviewed for the job here, keep in mind, 53 years old, never had a job. Self-employed. I was a Marine and then self-employed. All right? yeah. So I've never really inter- had an interview. So I interviewed for the job and think, they're hiring me, baby. I'm good. I'm good at everything. <laughs> yeah. I don't get the phone call. I get nothing. And I'm calling. I'm like a cold calling salesman every day, every day, every day. They never tell. They never answer. They finally call me back a couple months later. They hire me. I find out they hired somebody else and they didn't work. <laughs> so I didn't even get hired because the CEO is very similar to you and I. Okay. And he, and he thought we would be doing this. Yeah. And it turned out his instincts were right on. <laughs> so so but it's good we've learned to mesh that now you know um yeah, yeah. but but that's, that's so yeah. that was that's three of us in the yeah. same arena
0: yeah dude i i have one somebody that's like a like a light version of us right uh-huh. and uh and she, she's working on one of the teams that's here in rls right and uh-huh. so like the, the team leads like oh my god what do i do with this person i was like oh let me, let me tell you how you do it what you got to understand is that you got you got a bull there and you got to you got to fight it like a matador would. You can't fight the bull head on.
1: You got to distract it
0: <laughs> and let the bull run and then move out of the way and you just keep the bull running wherever you need him to go cuz they'll run wherever you wave the cape and right. they just keep running. But if you try to fight them it ain't going to work. They'll just fight you right back. And then now like and within sort of like 2 weeks after like giving that crazy stupid analogy uh-huh. almost like everything like works. Like perfectly into it, so I I feel like it's our civic duty to go out there and like educate the psychologists of the world of like here's this special brand of psychosis that you need. To I just,
1: I just wrote bullfighting on here. I'm gonna tell everybody <laughs> in my office. Listen, here's how you handle me. Just, just yeah. Just.
0: Just, just tip, pretend I'm a bull.
1: Wave something shiny. I'll just run that direction.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Dude. yeah well, it's been a freaking blast um, hanging out with you. Jason. It has, Scott. I know we're gonna wrap up, and we're out of time and stuff. But hey, man. So for everybody that's looking, and I know all the real estate investors on this show um, probably having a great time with it. That when they want to look to be able to learn more about how to do the credit, be able to take the next steps to to be able to get that financing, and um, uh-huh. so they can do the the great stuff that you've been talking about. What? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you or get in touch with the company?
1: Well, I would, I would, uh, if you want to just email us, it's info at creditsuite.com. That's info at com, or they can just go to creditsuite.com and opt in. We'll give them a free ebook, uh, the beginning steps of building business credit. Remember, that's probably their best bet. They just download the free ebook. Uh, they're opting in at that point and we're going to email them. We are. Really, and I'm trying to change this because I'm a salesperson by, by nature, we give away so much for free. I mean, we just give away tons and tons of information. I, on the other hand, want to sell everything. I want to sell. I'll sell a copy of this podcast if I can get away with it. Yeah. Um, so so that's the one thing about this company that I do love. They're great. They give away a ton. They're all about giving. Their hands are always open. So go to creditsuite.com and uh, download your free ebook. And if you have any questions, info at creditsuite.com all right and i appreciate you allow me to mention that as well
0: yeah of course man i am gonna have tammy on my staff here actually reach out uh to you and your team and uh, get you guys like inside of our fold of uh of people because that's That'd the way cool. that we actually operate at royal legal is uh i i'm i'm a big proponent of like the the methodology of give it all away give away all the secrets give away all the information if by doing that you build a trust and that's when people hire you and that's like the new wave that i think that we're experiencing that's going on That'll be. And the people that are doing that now are the people that are going to win long-term.
1: And, and that's exactly what Ty Crandall, our CEO, uh, made a decision to do a long time ago. I fight him on that because I'm old school, right? You know, yeah. you want what I have, you have to buy it. Um, and and it's really worked well for him. I mean, he took this company from zero to 20 million quickly. And nice. now we're the 800-pound we're the gorilla in this space. If you look up business credit, you will see us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right, man. That's 100% right, man. So. Oh, dude, I, I look forward to hanging out again, Steve. Steve, we have got to find a reason to hang out
1: again. We listen. I'm going to do a real estate. You're in Texas, right?
0: Yeah, Austin, Texas. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be. Do, I think I'm going to be doing an event there in July. Yeah, dude, hit me up. I will. Um, yeah. uh, absolutely. Dude, listen, we don't have to talk business. Let's just hang out. Yeah, let's make, do it. Make everybody, make everybody around us crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah, dude, I'll come show you some cool stuff around here in Austin.
1: Cool. Yeah. And I'll bring the I'll bring the red cape.
0: Yeah, dude, if we could find some bullfighting,
1: you know we're going to do it. Oh, you know we are, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Scott, I really appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, man. Be good, brother.
0: That's all for this Bad Beats episode. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Did you see yourself in any part of that story? I know I did. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in the sleeping masses of what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day.